When a loved one goes missing, their families are forced to go through an emotional turmoil that I honestly would not wish on anybody. Between wondering where they are every day, having to cope with not knowing what happened to them and not being able to grieve properly for their loved one, many families describe it as being in a constant state of limbo. Unless you have been unfortunate enough to have a loved one go missing, it is impossible to imagine exactly how devastating it would be. But some families of the missing have to deal with additional struggles that only serve to further their suffering. An example of this is trolling. And while it seems inconceivable that someone would be cruel enough to torment the families of the missing with such vile messages, unfortunately people like this do exist. That is just one of the devastating struggles that a Scottish family has had to go through since their loved one went missing eight years ago. Let's uncover the unsolved disappearance of Alan Bryant Jr. Hello and welcome to the 50th episode of Uncover True Crime Podcast. My name is Stephanie and each week we uncover a different unsolved true crime case ranging from missing persons, unsolved murders, Jane and John Doe's and suspicious deaths. You can listen to the podcast on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts and other podcast streaming apps as well as on YouTube by searching Uncover True Crime. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Uncover underscore pod, on Instagram at Uncover True Crime Pod and you can join the Uncover True Crime discussion group on Facebook. But without any further ado, let's uncover the unsolved disappearance of Alan Bryant Jr. Alan Bryant Jr. was born on the 23rd of November 1989 to Alan Bryant Sr. and Marie Bryant. Alan also had two little sisters, Amy and Sophie, and together they lived in Glenrothes, which is a town located in the Kingdom of Fife, Scotland. During his childhood, Alan had been a pupil at Southwood Primary School and then went on to attend Glenwood High, and by all accounts he had a very happy life. Alan Sr. spoke about his son, saying, quote, Alan loved school, got on well with everyone. He had loads of pals and was very popular. They all had each other's backs. His pals were always round at the house. Alan was so polite. If he saw an old person walking their dog, he would stop and say hello. He had plans to go to college, and when he had money, he would spend it going through to Glasgow to watch Celtic. Alan was a normal 23-year-old lad who liked playing Xbox, watching football and hanging out with his mates, the latter of which he was doing one evening in November 2013. He left his house to party with some friends, but never returned home and has never been seen since. On Saturday the 2nd of November 2013 at 8.30pm, Alan Bryant Jr. left his home on Edom Drive and travelled just over a mile to attend an engagement party which was being held at the Leslie Golf Club. Around midnight, Alan went to the Sticks nightclub, which again was around a mile away from the golf course and only a short walk from his home. The last time Alan Bryant was seen was around 2am on the 3rd of November when CCTV cameras caught him leaving the nightclub. He was visibly drunk and struggled a bit with his balance. He spoke to the bouncer at the door, then walked in the direction of his home alone. When Alan left the nightclub, he didn't have his phone on him as it had broken a few weeks earlier. 
and he had left his jacket at the golf club. Reports also claim that he didn't have any cards or money on him, which seems odd if he was going on a night out, but it is possible that one of his friends agreed to pay for his drinks. Either way, Alan didn't have anything valuable on his person or any way of contacting his friends or family for a lift home, so it's likely that he had planned to walk. This walk should only have taken him 10 minutes, maybe a little longer if he was under the influence. But when his father, Alan Sr. and his mother Marie awoke the next morning to see that Alan hadn't returned home, they were instantly concerned because this wasn't like Alan at all. After ruling out all the likely places where Alan could and contacting his friends who confirmed that they hadn't heard from him, his parents contacted Fife Police and reported him as a missing person. Sadly, this would only be the start of the heartbreaking ordeal that the Bryant family would have to go through in the search for Alan. Now, I am not a police officer, nor do I have any police training, but it makes sense that one of the first things police would try to do to find Alan would be to collect CCTV from the nightclub and surrounding businesses in the area to trace his movements after he left Sticks. The area where he went missing is heavily populated, so there likely would have been a lot of footage to collect. Now, I don't know if they were able to collect CCTV from nearby businesses or residential properties, but they did get footage of him leaving Sticks nightclub. But for some reason that I don't think I will ever understand, it took police seven months to release this footage to the public. Detective Superintendent Nicola Shepard said, quote, I hope that the video we have issued today will jog the memories of people who were in Sticks nightclub that night. And again, I would appeal to anyone who has information that may assist us in finding Alan to contact us. The investigation into Alan's disappearance has been difficult, mainly due to lack of information, and I share the family's frustration in this regard." Unquote. Just a thought, but I think it's possible that the lack of information early on in Alan's case could be due to the fact that it took police so long to release the footage. It was 2am on a Sunday morning outside a nightclub, so I think it's safe to assume that most, if not all, of the people that would have seen him leaving that nightclub would have been drinking or drunk. So their memory of that night might be cloudy at best. So I don't know how they expected people to recall Alan simply leaving a nightclub seven months after it happened. Maybe if they had released the footage in the days or weeks after Alan's disappearance, there would have been more of a chance of someone remembering seeing him that night. But as it stands right now, I don't think the release of the CCTV has garnered many leads in his case. On the fifth anniversary of his disappearance, Police Scotland released more CCTV of Alan, but not of the night he went missing. It was a video taken of him two years before he went missing. Police said that they hoped this video, along with the CCTV of him the night he went missing, would help jog people's memories and hopefully that these people would come forward. Again, I really don't know why police thought this would help. I understand that the footage might help people see Alan's mannerisms maybe, but I don't know how helpful this would be five years after he went missing. And while people might say, better late than never, time really is of the essence in missing persons cases. The Bryant family were very unsatisfied with how Alan's case was handled and after making a formal complaint to the Police Scotland Professional Standards Department, several parts of their complaint 
complaint were upheld. First of all, police went to put a calling card through the door of a potential witness in the case, but they put it through the wrong door, which not only would have prevented the witness from contacting the police, but also could have potentially put that witness in danger if people knew that they were talking to the police. Alan Bryant Sr. also detailed on his Facebook page that the police failed to deploy an incident van outside the nightclub the weekend after Alan was last seen, despite this being promised to them, and the fact that it took police so long to release CCTV from that night. According to the Facebook post, police claimed that there was, quote, technical complexities, unquote, with officers collecting CCTV. However, Alan Sr. says that the officers weren't properly trained to gather the CCTV. The police claimed that as Alan was clearly under the influence in the CCTV footage, that they felt that releasing it to the public might have caused the Bryant some distress. Although Alan Sr. rebutted this, saying that they were well aware their son was drinking that night, as were a lot of other young people at Sticks nightclub. Also detailed in the police's response to the complaint was the fact that the senior detective working on Alan's case at the time, quote, considered but discounted progressing the release of the CCTV footage, having assessed that there was no value in doing so, unquote. This understandably upset Alan's family and they have demanded that this officer be reprimanded, which I totally agree with, but I don't know if this ever happened. Alan Sr.'s Facebook post on the complaint is very informative and detailed and it says in part, quote, Police Scotland must pay for the above failures. They must be held accountable for the stress and distress they have caused myself and my family over the past four years. We should not have to fight the police for information and to be treated fairly. All these months and years of stress and fighting the police, as well as not knowing what happened to our son, has taken a toll on my health both mentally and physically. I want Police Scotland to apologise in such a fashion that they will put up a reward for information leading them to finding my son, or giving them information as to the person who knows what happened to Alan. Someone knows, and someone is responsible. There is no doubt in my mind of that. In addition, I want the police to release all the CCTV footage from outside Sticks nightclub. When they released the footage in June 2014, they only released a minute or two of footage showing Alan exiting the door of the club and making his way up a few steps to the pavement area. I have personally seen all the footage. There is around 42 minutes of it whilst Alan is still in the area. At the end of the footage, Alan is seen walking off so police know what direction he went. There is also footage of a police vehicle pulling up to the club at the end of it before it ends abruptly. So it is a lie that Alan was last seen at 2.02am because he was there for around 30 to 40 minutes after that time. This is not over Police Scotland, not over at all. I will not rest until my son is found and I will not rest until you have done the right thing by my son and my family. This will not stop here. I will be taking this failure all the way to the top. Unquote. The stress put on to the Bryants would only intensify when Police Scotland decided to withdraw their family liaison officer, a dedicated police officer assigned to provide support and information to the families of those who are missing or have been murdered. The Bryant family believe that this was done in retaliation for them putting an official complaint in for how Alan's investigation was handled. Detective Inspector Stuart Wilson from the major investigations team made a public statement about this, saying, quote, the Alan Bryant missing a person inquiry remains a live investigation and any new information received will be assessed, evaluated
evaluated and actioned appropriately by both the major investigation team and local officers within Glenothis. For almost three years, Alan's family have been provided with weekly factual updates on the course of the investigation. The decision has been taken to withdraw the family liaison officer role that has been installed as part of this inquiry. However, the major investigations team will continue to contact the family to provide updates whenever there is any significant developments in the future, in line with the Police Scotland's policy in relation to major investigations. The Bryant family have also been provided with a dedicated email address so they can get in touch to discuss any issues they may have or provide any additional information relevant to the investigation." Unquote. To the best of my knowledge, the Bryant family still don't have a family liaison officer and they have had to work so hard to keep their son's case in the public eye. They have taken many steps to generate new leads and to investigate the case themselves. Although I do want to point out that they have always encouraged people who have any information on Alan's case to report it to the police. They have not gone rogue or tried to shut the police out of the investigation, they are just trying to get justice for their son. The Bryant family have also been able to review documents related to the case. Alan Sr. has told the media that some witnesses had mentioned a white van circling the nightclub the night that Alan went missing and they hoped that in releasing this detail to the public that people would come forward with more information about this vehicle and or the driver. Alan Sr. said, quote, By making the details of the van public, the hope is that it will rekindle someone's memory from that night. If it does, I urge them to come forward with any information, however small or insignificant they think it might be, as it might just be the key that ends the pain of not knowing where Alan is or what happened to him. Unquote. One thing the Bryants have done to keep Alan's case in the public eye is to maintain a strong media presence. Alan Bryant Sr. in particular regularly updates his own Facebook page as well as the Help Find Alan Bryant Facebook page which I will have listed in the description of this episode. He regularly does Facebook Live videos and updates his followers on leads in the case and on communications between his family and the police. The page currently has over 5,000 followers and has undoubtedly helped spread awareness about Alan's case. Unfortunately, one of the negatives that often comes with having any kind of social media platform is having to deal with trolls. And while you would hope that families of the missing would be exempt from this type of abuse, this isn't always the case. In 2014, a man called Stuart McEnroy contacted Alan Bryant Sr. on Facebook and told him that he had tortured Alan Jr. and had kept him hostage before killing him. Only a small section of the messages has been released and before I read it, I do want to say that it is graphic and could be quite upsetting, so if you don't want to listen to it, I would maybe skip the next 60 seconds or so. But the messages said in part, quote, When he walked home, I sopped my van, grabbed him, held him hostage till I saw him on the news, so I brutally tortured him, tied him to a chair, stabbed nails in him, wrapped with 240,000 volt wire and fried that fuck. Allah Akbar, fuck white people. Unquote. Alan Bryant Sr. and his family reported the messages that they had received to the police and it didn't take them long to link the fake account back to Stuart. They questioned him in relation to Alan's disappearance but claimed that his confession was false and he only did it because he was under the influence of alcohol. For some reason, the BBC decided to give Stuart McEnroy airtime to explain his actions, where he said, quote, When I started trolling, I thought I would just take it as a joke, not saying such and such. 
but they took it as a serious matter and I was under the influence of alcohol at the time. I can be a wee bit aroused when under the influence. I don't think trolling was the biggest crime going, I didn't think it was even illegal because when I see people doing it on YouTube or online, they get away with it. After committing it, I felt disgusted. When I set up the profile photo, I took 3 litres of cider, then I drank another 3 litres of cider and that's when my mind was going a wee bit crazy and that's when the rush started kicking in. That's when things started kicking off on Facebook." Unquote. However, a few years later, Stuart contacted the Courier newspaper and totally went back on everything that he had said to the BBC, proving that he has absolutely no conscience at all. Quote, the real reason I trolled Alan Bryant was because I made any effort to try to claim the reward money. Unfortunately, it failed. But after I started the trolling, I started to like it. It made me feel in control and have power. Every time I troll, it makes me feel good. It's harmless, but if people don't like it, then they should hit the block button. But they don't. They just sit there and cry and moan about it. I enjoy my trolling. I like to slight people and take the mick out of them. But I expect them to troll back, rather than sit there and waste their time on police. Am I sorry for my crimes? No. Will I change? Yes. In the future, when I decide to get bored of it. Unquote. It was proven that he had nothing to do with Alan's disappearance and was sentenced to 10 months in prison for sending the Bryant such vile messages. When he was released from prison, he continued to send disgusting messages to several members of the Bryant family and was sentenced to a further 8 months but was released just after one month following an appeal. Stewart's online abuse didn't stop with the Bryants as he has trolled and abused several people online, even threatening to rape them. In 2019, four members of the Wolfpack Hunters UK, a vigilante group who conduct sting operations to catch online predators and paedophiles, attacked Stewart after he threatened to rape one of their members' younger brother and sent them vile messages about the abuse of children. The members of the group tracked him down and attacked him at a bus station in Edinburgh, but I don't think he sustained any serious injury. While I am absolutely not condoning vigilante justice of any kind, I do believe in karma and I'm going to leave it there. Ironically, it would be Alan Bryant Sr. who would be banned from social media for seven days, following an argument with a man on Facebook after he allegedly made fun of Alan Bryant's disappearance. Alan Sr. spoke publicly about the ban, saying, quote, Normally, I would not have reacted as I've been subjected to this sort of abuse many times before, but it caught me at a bad moment and I reacted in a way that I shouldn't have and I apologised to anyone who was offended. I sent the person a private message and a row ensued. We were seemingly being trolled because the individual thought that we just blamed the police for everything involving Alan's disappearance. I'm a bit annoyed with myself as I normally try not to react. We've been subjected to some pretty awful and vile abuse and trolling in the past and even though I try to let it go, it's a difficult one to face at the best of times." Unquote. While Alan Sr. has taken responsibility for what he said, I think it's an absolute joke that he was banned from Facebook, albeit for a short time, yet people like Stuart McAnoy are free to abuse people online, even after admitting that he enjoys terrorising people and has no intention of stopping. I don't even know what to say, except that it's absolutely nothing short of vile and disgusting. 
It's now that time in the episode where we discuss theories, and like all theories we discuss on this podcast, they are all pure speculation. The Bryant family believe that Alan was murdered the night he went missing, and have done everything they can to prove it. Police Scotland have always claimed they are investigating Alan's disappearance as a missing persons case as there's no evidence of foul play, but Alan Bryant Sr. begs to differ. Quote, the police keep telling the media it's a missing persons case, but every time the major investigation team is in our house, it's actually being treated as a murder case but they won't admit it in public. Homicide Guidance kept looking over Alan's case to see if the major investigation team had missed anything. They are treating it as a murder regardless of what they say, unquote. In June 2017, police executed a search warrant on a home on Barton Place, occupied by 25-year-old Thomas McAllister and his parents Thomas Sr. and Liz, in connection with Alan's disappearance. According to Alan Sr., Alan Jr. and Thomas knew each other and there was a party on Barton Place the same night that Alan disappeared and he believes that Alan might have attended this party and this is where he may have met with foul play. No charges resulted from this search and the McAllisters claim that they are being unfairly targeted because they are from the travelling community. Thomas McAllister has also stated that he thinks the police should quote, look closer to home, unquote, when investigating Alan's disappearance. And when referring to Alan Sr., he told the police, quote, I feel he's using the public for their money. Look at this man's page. This is him using his son's disappearance to gain money, unquote. I would recommend everyone listening to this episode to follow the Help Find Alan Facebook group, and I think you will all agree that this is absolutely not true. Through the Facebook page, the Bryant family were able to raise some money that went towards searches for Alan's body, but as of April 2021, he has not yet been found. One of the areas where the Bryants are keen to search is a drain in Woodside Glenrothes, after two people approached the family, saying that this is where Alan's body was dumped after he was killed at a house party the night he disappeared. Another four witnesses claim to have heard, quote, hysterical screaming, unquote, on Barton Place at 4am, around two hours after Alan was last seen alive. Witnesses also told the Bryant family that they saw a man covered in blood in that same area and that this man has since intimidated witnesses. I don't know if these witnesses went to the police with this information, but Alan Bryant Sr. did and was told, quote, there is no evidence of criminality, unquote, which makes me think that these witnesses didn't go to the police, although I might be totally wrong with this assumption. The drain has been searched, but as it is miles deep, it would take special equipment and expertise to fully investigate the drain. While Alan Sr. and Marie are doing everything in their power to find their missing son, there is only so much they can do until the people who know what happened to him that night come forward, or if his body is found. The Bryant family have gone through more than any family should have to for the past eight years, yet they still continue to fight for justice for Alan. On the 27th of September 2020, a body was found in Whitehall Industrial Estate in Glenrothes, and the Bryants had to wait over a week before the police were able to confirm that the remains were not those of Alan Bryant Jr. Just a few days before I am recording this episode, more remains were found in Fife, but this time in St Andrews, and the police did inform the Bryants of this discovery. However, due to how long police believed the remains had been in the area, they quickly ruled them out as being Alan's as well. When talking about how he felt when finding out the remains found in the industrial estate were not Alan's, Alan Sr 
told the media, quote, What people don't understand when you have a long-term missing loved one is that you know the worst has already happened, so we hoped the remains belongs to our son. Now another family will be devastated to hear it is their loved one. Unquote. On Mother's Day 2021, Alan Bryant Sr. wrote a heartbreaking message to his wife Marie on his Facebook page, which read, quote, Happy Mother's Day, Mum. I know your heart is broken living without me and living life not knowing what happened to me. I just want to say how much I love and miss you and how I wish I could be there with you today. My heart breaks for you, Mum. I was so lucky to have a mum who loved and cared for me like you did. You're one in a million. All I want is for you to be happy today if anyone deserves to be be happy. It's you, Mum. I just want you to be happy today and to enjoy Mother's Day with my two sisters, Amy and Sophie. And please look after Dad for me too. I'm so sorry for all your suffering. I wish I never went out that night, as I would still be here today with you all, enjoying days like this, with you laughing and joking like I always did. I know your heart is broken every day. I know how much you love and miss me, Mum. I just want you to know that I am with you every day, no matter where you are or wherever you go. Love you, Mum love from Alan, unquote. As a mother myself, I can't even imagine what Marie and Alan, as well as the rest of the Bryant family, are going through. Alan's case has stuck with me for the past eight years for several reasons. One of them being that Alan went missing only around 40 minutes from where I live, and that my own son was born just two days before Alan went missing, meaning that for as long as I have been able to care and love for my own son, another family has been without theirs. Please remember that these cases are more than just stories. They are people's real lives. Think of the date that these tragedies happen. What were you doing on that day? And then imagine going from that point to now without closure or justice for your loved one or without even knowing where they are. I'm now going to give you a description of Alan Bryant Jr. Alan Bryant was 23 years old when he went missing on the 3rd of November 2013. If alive today, he would be 31 years old. He was a white male who stood around 5 foot 6 inches tall, had a medium build, short brown hair, blue eyes, and he had tattoos on both of his arms, although I wasn't able to find a description of these tattoos. When he was last seen, he was wearing a Voy t-shirt with three bands of colour, navy on the top, grey in the middle, and white on the bottom. He was also wearing dark coloured denim jeans and grey leather plimsolls. If you have any information on Alan's disappearance or his current whereabouts, please call Police Scotland on 101 or you can email operationtoner at scotland.pnn.police.uk. You can also contact Crime Stoppers anonymously on 0800 555 All photos and sources related to today's case can be found on our website uncovertruecrimepodcast.co.uk. That's everything I have for you today. Thank you for listening to the very end. Please stay safe and have a good night.